Way back in 2019, how many of you remember way back then? Man, that was a long time ago. Seems like a lifetime ago. But I heard a quote that churches talk a lot about loving Jesus, but they don't know a lot about what he did or what he said. And that challenged me as a pastor. That we could spend all of our time talking about how to be a better you or how to have success in your life. And those things might not be bad. But if we neglect to know Jesus better, then what are we even doing here, right? There are so many people who throw around phrases about what Jesus said and what Jesus showed us with his life. On every side of every issue, people will tell you that Jesus agrees with me. But that can't all be true, right? So instead, as biblically literate Jesus followers, we want to be intimately aware of who Jesus is, what he said, and what he did, so that we can talk like Jesus and walk like Jesus. So we've been doing two seasons a year since 2019 of this Jesus series. And in this season, we're going to hit 32 sermons so far on the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, doing our best to follow his life chronologically. And if you're a young Christian or you just want to refresh yourself on the life of Christ, we have arranged all these sermons on one page on our website so that you can go back and listen to them all the way from the beginning. You can take a picture if you want to real quick of this QR code or you can find it under the resource tab on uh, our website, uh, but I challenge you, if you weren't here back with us in 2019 and uh, you want to go and mow the grass and listen to some stories about Jesus or, or while you're driving, to catch up with us, binge it, you know, right? not because it's me talking, but because it's Jesus that I'm talking about. So with all that said, this is the season premiere of Jesus the Series Season 8. Last season, we talked about Jesus healing and occupying Roman soldiers' servant. Jesus then answered questions for John the Baptist, who was struggling with doubts. Then he called out the religious hypocrites who were trying to quarantine themselves from sin, when in fact, the sin was inside them. And this week, we're going to see some people who were desperate. Have you ever been desperate? What do they say about being desperate? Desperate times calls for? Yeah. I was curious about where that phrase came from, and many believe that it originated with Hippocrates, the father of medicine. The Hippocratic Oath is still revered by medical professionals even today with the promise to do no harm. And this is how Hippocrates wrote it. He said, for extreme diseases, Extreme methods of cure are the most suitable. And this is believed to be the inspiration for the phrase, desperate times call for desperate measures. Now, for Hippocrates, extreme medicine might have been something like drinking gladiator blood for its potency and power. I think they call that gladerade. Uh, Another one is they would say if you have a headache that you should put an electric eel on your head. Uh, that would help. 
And they also believed that at that time that cabbage was a wonder drug. So next time you're having you know, stomach trouble, just try and use some extreme cabbage medicine. But today we're going to look at some people who interacted with Jesus that were desperate. And because they were desperate, they did desperate things. In the account that John Mark gave us, found in Mark chapter 5, verse 22, we see that Jesus was confronted by a ruler named Jairus. And Jairus was an important leader of the local synagogue. And Jairus' little daughter was about to die. And he begged Jesus that Jesus would go with him to his house to save his precious daughter. So Jesus quickly began to follow Jairus. And a great crowd began to follow as well because people wanted to see Jesus do one of his famous miracles. But among the crowd, there was a woman. A woman with an issue. We see that in Mark chapter 5, verse 25. There was a woman who had a discharge. Other versions translate this as issue of blood for 12 years. See, she wasn't just there in the crowd to see Jesus do something. She needed something herself. Her issue was humiliating and embarrassing and long-lasting for 12 years. She suffered. 12 years is a long time. You get to six, you're only half, right? This is a long time with this medical issue that she was suffering with, and the anemia that would have resulted from her issue would have caused fatigue and lightheadedness and headaches. And this was also something that she didn't necessarily want to announce to the world. She didn't want to wear a ribbon and tell everybody what she was struggling with. She didn't want one of those rubber wristbands. She wished that she could just keep this problem to herself. But culturally, and as far as society was concerned, she was considered unclean. And in those days, that meant she couldn't touch anyone. She couldn't be in the synagogue, which was the hub for social interaction. And she'd have to announce to everyone as she walked down the street, unclean, unclean, unclean. And for 12 years, you can imagine that as she said this, her identity became, I am unclean. If anyone was ever at the end of her rope, it was her. If anyone had ever lost hope, it was her. If anyone was losing her grip, it was her. She was desperate. And it wasn't like she hadn't tried to fix her problem. The next verse says in Mark chapter 5, 26, that she had suffered much under many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had gone to many physicians and they had done who knows what to her. And what the doctors did do caused her much pain and suffering. It had cost her all that she had, and it still made her problems worse. They were practicing extreme medicine in order to try and help her with extreme sickness. Luke talks about this as well in Luke chapter 8, verse 43. It says, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, 
She could not be healed by anyone. But then she heard the rumors about Jesus. How he had healed people. How he was the Messiah, the Son of God, the One, the Savior that they had all been waiting for for hundreds of years. Mark 5.27 says she had heard the reports about Jesus. She was desperate. She was losing hope. She was at the end of her rope. And she, should, she could have said, I've tried everything. What is the use of trying anymore? It's been so long. This is never going to change. I don't even want to get my hopes up. But then there was that glimmer. Jesus. What did she have to lose? She had no other options. She didn't have anything left. But instead of giving up, she reached out. And she took desperate measures. She did something crazy. In verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus. And she came up behind him in the crowd. And she touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and she set out to find him, and she reached out to grab him, and she believed if she could just get to him, she could be made well. Now, she was untouchable. She was unclean, but she reached out to touch Jesus. She had the faith that although she had no options left, maybe, maybe Jesus could do something about her problem. She was desperate. She reached out. Verse 29 says, Immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. She had used all of her resources and went through pain and embarrassment trying to fix her problems on her own, and just a touch from Jesus made her whole. Verse 32, And he, Jesus, looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Before she reached out, her identity was unclean, unworthy, undesirable. And she was scared when Jesus called her out of the crowd. She was unclean and had touched someone else. This was bad. This wasn't okay for her to do. But Jesus didn't look on her with disgust. Like people had looked on her for 12 years. No, Jesus looked at her with love. And he calls her daughter. He calls her daughter. Imagine what that means for her. For so long, people had crossed the street to get away from her. She had been pointed at, and she had been stared at, and for so long, she felt worthless. But Jesus calls her daughter. Is there any other name that he could use that could mean more? Daughter, son. It means love and connection and value and commitment. Isn't Jesus amazing? This is just what Jesus did on the way to do something else. He was headed to Jairus' house to raise his daughter from the dead, and Jesus did raise her from the dead. But this woman in the crowd 
interrupted. And she has the faith to take a chance and to reach out of herself and to ask for help when she has tried everything else. And because she did, 12 years worth of pain and suffering and embarrassment ceased in a moment of faith. There was once a man that was trapped on a roof as there was a flood rising all around him. And he was praying and he was trusting God. After a while, a rowboat came as the the waters raised And that rowboat offered him a lift, and the man said, no thanks, I'm trusting God. Next, the helicopter came by, and he gave the same reply, no thanks, I don't need your help, I'm trusting God. Eventually, the man drowned. When he stood before God, the man said, God, why didn't you save me? I trusted you, and the Lord looked at him and said, I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. What more did you want? Rescue was right there. And you just had to reach out and take it. Look, God doesn't promise that you will always have everything that you ever wanted and that life will always be easy. But for the child of God, he does promise that he knows what is best for you and he knows the best timing, and he will be with you. This woman had an issue. She figured out that when all else is lost and when all hope is gone, there is hope in Jesus. She could have given up. She could have been too humiliated to ask for help. She could have retreated inside of herself and sat alone in a dark room somewhere. But she had the courage to let go and to put aside her reputation, to put aside what little of her pride she had left. And she reached out. For so long, she had tried to figure out the answer to her own problems. And at times, she must have thought that things were under control, but she kept finding herself back in her issue, back in her pain, back in her shame. I bet the next time she was desperate and at the end of her robe, that Jesus wasn't the last place that she went, but the first. You know, sometimes it does take getting to the end of your rope to realize that we need to reach out for help. Maybe you're at a desperate place this morning with your marriage. Maybe the fighting has been constant and you're humiliated and you're embarrassed that things aren't working out. Maybe you've been to marriage counseling or you've read all the books and and look, you should do those things, but you're still left Desperate, having used up all your emotional and physical and mental resources. Maybe you're in a desperate place with your finances. The bills keep coming in, but the checks aren't cutting it, and the house is too expensive now, but it won't sell, and the uh, car broke down, and the fridge is broken, and the college loan payments are crushing you, or maybe you're at the end of your rope with just life in general. You feel alone. You feel depressed. You're stuck in addiction or you're always so anxious. And you push people away. You've got scars from the past. 
You don't really feel anything anymore. You've got worries about the future. Well, have you heard the reports about Jesus? Have you pushed your way through the crowd? Have you reached outside of yourself for answers? When you're lost, Jesus is the way. And when you're blinded by lies, Jesus is the truth. And when you're consumed with fear and death, Jesus is the life. I have this verse over my door in my office, John 15, 5. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We like to try, though, right? We like to try and do things our way first. We have our ideas and we have our plans and we have our direction. My prayer for you this morning is that you would stop holding on to all of that and reach out. Desperate times call for desperate measures, right? But you don't have to wait to be desperate to reach out to your Savior today. Take the rescue that he's sending. Maybe that rescue is a friend reaching out, asking, no, no, really, how are you doing? And instead of running around and talking about the weather or the sports, how WVU lost to Penn State and just got crushed yesterday. (laughs) I'm from Pennsylvania, but I'm not a Penn State fan. I, I feel for you. But instead of just pushing through And just trying to change the subject about how you're really doing. What if you reached out to a friend that was trying to reach out to you? Maybe it's going to a spiritual leader or a doctor or a counselor. God may be sending opportunities for rescue to you. You've got to take them. You can't retreat inside of yourself. In a room this size, there are probably some some desperate people. And in ways, I'm sure we're all desperate. There's probably some people that are in need of some serious help. I don't know why you're at the end of your rope. I don't know what your issue is. But I know that Jesus is the answer. Push through the crowd and reach out. Psalms 39.7 says, And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Is that where your hope is lying today? That's the challenge for you this morning, to reach out to the one that can help you. And reach out to other Jesus followers that can help you see when you're in the dark. You're not made to walk alone. And if you are not in Christian community and in fellowship with other churches, just coming and sitting in here and just listening and being quiet, that's not what church is meant to be. This is part of it. But a mutual relationship where you're living out the one another's with each other, that is church. Loving one another. Caring for one another, listening to one another, supporting one another. If you come and you say, I just don't feel connected, but you're not working actively to connect with anybody, you're not living the life that God has made for a Christian to live in community and a body with the church. 
And that's part of this Christian life is for us to go and to pray with one another and to be honest about where we're at, not just paste on a smile and act like everything's okay, but to be honest so that someone might speak truth into our lives. And then we might, at some point, give that back to somebody else. Maybe it's reaching out in God's word and and you kind of given up on that, or maybe it's reaching out in prayer and it feels like that there's just a steel wall between you and God, and you just kind of quit. Don't give up. Keep reaching out. Because Jesus wants to show you that He is near to you today. Reach outside of yourself. Every head's bowed and eyes closed. We're going to take a moment of just quiet as the band comes. Where are you desperate? Is there some step that you should take and you know you should take it but you just haven't been doing it sin grows in the dark and depression and sorrow all those things grow in the dark and when we reveal them to the light it begins to kill that stuff in us in these areas that you're desperate that you've you've been tempted to give up where do you need to reach outside of yourself? Maybe it's finally admitting that you struggle with alcohol. Maybe it's admitting that you might be addicted to pornography. Maybe it's, it's saying, hey, our marriage needs help. Maybe it's just recognizing that there's a problem. Why don't you tell it to Jesus this morning? Why don't you reach out to him? And then commit to take whatever step he is leading you to take after that. Desperate times call for desperate measures. It might need some extreme medicine. You might need help outside of yourself. As you continue to deal with those things between you and God, maybe you're here this morning and you haven't yet asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin. You haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ as the only means of your salvation yet. That's the first step of becoming a Jesus follower, a disciple of Christ. Because we all have this problem in us called sin, and it's insurmountable for us. There's no way that we can defeat it. And sin causes distance between us and God. But all the way at the beginning, God had a plan 
to bridge that gap between us and him. And all the Old Testament is talking about how that person was coming. And then the Gospels are the story of how that person was here. Jesus is the way for us to get to God. Because he's God in the flesh and he came and he walked this world. And he lived a perfect and a holy life. And he laid down his life on a cross for you to take the punishment that your sin deserved. And then he rose again on the third day, breaking the chains of sin and death forever. The Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 5.8 tells us that God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You can put your faith and trust in Jesus right now, this morning, and to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and be a Jesus follower, to get saved, born again, whatever phraseology you want to use. You can call out to God right now in this moment. A genuine decision from your heart to realize that your sin was too big. But Jesus conquered it. You can put your faith in him in this moment. The words aren't important, but it's something like this. You could call out, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. God, forgive me. I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. The words, once again, they're not important. You change it however you need to. But putting your faith and trust in Jesus this morning is how you come in relationship with him. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. God, I pray as we head into our time of communion that you would be honored and blessed through this time. God, I pray for anyone in the room today that is desperate, that is struggling. God, I pray for anyone that made that choice today to become a follower of you. God, that you would just open their eyes to the wonderful life that is found in you. God, we just thank you for all you do. We thank you for the help that you bring when you reach out, uh, when we reach out to you. In your name we pray. Amen.